do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. John chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1 today, verses 5 through 10. I want to talk about true intimacy with two themes that um, the Apostle John gives us, light and forgiveness. Light and forgiveness. And I think by means of um, introduction, how do these two go together? If you're walking in darkness, you're going to make a mess. And I'll tell you a story because I got up one night and I didn't know that my son wasn't feeling well and he decided in our room in his in our room to play with Legos on the floor. And I got up in the middle of the night and I was walking to the restroom, yay, um, and it was pitch black and I know the route, I could do it with my eyes closed, but I did not know of the Legos. And Legos are little and they're sharp. They don't look sharp, but they are sharp. And I hit the Legos and I leaned over and I hit the dresser, knocked some stuff off. My wife jumps up, freaks out, what's going on? And I said, everything's fine, honey. Just stepped on some Legos. And so she's like, okay. And so she goes back to sleep. And then in the morning, when the sun came up and the light revealed there was a massive mess that I had made the night before in the dark. And so the Apostle John, rightfully so, he starts with light, and then he deals with the theme of forgiveness because light reveals the mess. So once we understand the light part, then we're gonna understand the mess that it makes, and then we gotta do something about this mess. And so as you're looking at this passage of scriptures, we're going to read it here. I want you guys to have that in your mind of why the themes in the order in which he does. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar excuse me, I'm still going through puberty, and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Precious Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's truth. I thank you, Lord, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I thank you, Lord God, that, it, that your word says that it is a 
quick and powerful double-edged sword and it divides between the soul and the spirit and the bone and the marrow. And I pray, Lord God, that you would take up your word through the power of your Holy Spirit and use it in our lives. Use it to conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not to be hearers of the word only, but Lord God, help us to be doers of what your word says. And as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Two themes here, light and forgiveness. And if you're taking notes, pull out your notes. And I want to encourage you to write these down. The first thing is this, live in his light. Live in his light. Who are we talking about? God's light. But not just God. Obviously, God is a triune God. We live in the light of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life but we live in his light darkness reveals nothing light reveals everything and so what happens is if we are living in darkness we're okay with the mess that night when I went back to bed I was okay with the mess because I didn't see it but when the light revealed the mess that was made, that I had made, something had to happen. I had to clean it up or I had to have someone else clean it up. The problem is when we walk in darkness, church, there's a mess that's made. And you could spend the rest of your life trying to clean it up or you could allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to clean it up. But God's the one who brings the light and demonstrates what is and what isn't. Simple themes that we see that we're to live in his light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So how then do we live in his light? And I, I kind of want to just kind of want to shift a little bit here because it says if we say we have fellowship the idea of fellowship is that we would be in relationship it's it, fellowship when we come together it's interesting fellowship is christians are the only ones that use the word fellowship like i have i have a lot i have friends that don't know christ and we never use the word let's go fellowship together okay they have they're like what they would look at me like what only christians use that word hey let's have fellowship and that means there's food and there's coffee and thank God and, and there's, there's all these great things and we fellowship. It means we have relationship and, and, and basically it's we're living in this light. And so the idea is the Apostle John saying, if we say we have fellowship with him, God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So how do we live in his light? And I wanna give you a couple of things about this. The first one is this, tell on your sin. If there's sin in your life, unrepentant, habitual sin, you're walking in darkness. If you want to live in light, tell on your sin. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, 
want to read to you. It says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, Christ, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. At least his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Tell on your sin before it tells on you. Why is that important? Because when it tells on you, it's far worse than you telling on it. We had this plant in our bed. It might as well have been a weed my wife was trying to get rid of it and she tried to kill it multiple times and it didn't work entirely. Finally, she talked to this arborist and basically the person said, you have to take a drill with a long, you know, screw, you know, long drill bit and you have to drill into it and then you have to just pour weed killer in it two days to kill this thing because the roots go everywhere and it's a disaster. And we thought we had killed it at one season and then the next season it came back. Because here's the deal, if you don't kill with the roots, then you're never going to kill it. And a lot of times sin just does that in our lives. It, it creates this root system that nobody sees on the surface, even though God sees it. And so instead of, the, instead of allowing the roots to grow and take hold and start to affect you that nobody sees, or you're playing this isolated game with yourself, you need to tell on your sin. <laughs> And real honest, and that's the second thing, keeping real accountability, telling your sin to somebody that you can trust. Now, the response of the church is, is extremely important. As we are a church that God is growing here in Gloucester, we, the response can't be, oh. The response can't be, shun. No, the response has to be, is that all? Is that all? Because we're people of the light. And as people of the light, we know that there's nothing that you could do or that anybody's done that the gospel of Jesus Christ hasn't paid for. And we're just going to walk with you in that process so that you would understand the gospel and live out in this gospel every moment of every day. And so keeping real accountability is really important. Not that mamby-pamby accountability of like, man, I'm just really struggling. And, oh, dude, that's okay. We all struggle, man. Here, let me have some coffee. Okay. That's not accountability. Accountability is let me get really detailed into my struggles. And at midnight, when I'm struggling with hate towards somebody or, or, or gossip or unforgiveness or pornography or alcoholism or whatever it is, I can pick up the phone and I can say, I need you to pray with me right now. That's real accountability. In James chapter five, verse 16, it says, therefore confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you would be healed. See, healing comes when we confess our sins one to another. Healing comes when we keep real accountability. How do we live in this light? We keep real accountability. We tell in our sin. Third thing, we walk in the word. John chapter eight, verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We walk in the word. Christ, and as we're in the word, Christ reveals to us as Christians 
the dark places of our soul. We walk in the word. Third thing, we walk in Christ. 1 John 2, 6, Pastor Nate's going to get into this next week. But it says, they that live, those that claim to be in Christ, this is what the King James says, must live as Jesus lived. 1 John 2, 6. It says, whoever says they're in God must live as Jesus lived or walk as Jesus walked. Psalm 23, when we're walking in Christ, we recognize that he is light and that he reveals the path for us that we're to walk in. That we're in Christ, we're in his word, when we're saturated with Christ, then it, it creates a path for us to walk in. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. So to walk in Christ, I, I put Psalm 23, 4. You guys know this, the, the passage of the psalm. We've, we, psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everyone says that. But in verse four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the only way you can get a shadow is if there's a light source. And so what the psalmist is saying is, even though I walk through the valley and death casts this huge shadow, guess what? There's a light source behind it that's far greater. It's far better. That's so why he says, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How do we live in this light? We walk in Christ. And why do we do this? Because I love, I love verse seven here. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. And I would think that he should have written, we have fellowship with God, right? But that's not what he's saying. He doesn't say we have fellowship with God. He says we have fellowship, what? With one another. That when we walk in the light, we should have fellowship with one another. What happens when we expose ourselves Usually in the church, everybody picks up stones and wants to stone everybody, right? But John here is saying, no, when we walk in the light and the light exposes all of our deeds and everything, then guess what? We have fellowship with one another. And so it comes back to you, is that, is that all you have? Is that it? As they confess, hey, I did this, I did this, I did this. Is that all? It's nothing that Christ couldn't pay for or hasn't paid for. When we walk in the light, I mean, really walk in the light as a church, we should have fellowship with each other. Because guess what? It reveals the fact that we're all messed up and that we all need to be cleaned up, that we've all made mistakes, and that Christ then has forgiven us. And that's the next thing. Because of the mess, therefore, it causes us to cling closer to Christ. 1 John 1, 9 now, this is where it fits in. Then he drops in that, because I hear people quote that all the time. The context of it is now, if we confess our sins then, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because we have fellowship with one another and because, why? Because we make a mess and we walk in darkness sometimes. It's not good. But then when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
See the beauty of when we live in his light, what happens? It's like a grace leveling. It's all level ground on the cross of Christ. There's nothing that you've done. Remember what Jesus is talking to the woman who like weeping over his feet and then she takes her hair and she like dries it off. And, and basically Jesus says, they that have been forgiven much love much. Here's, here's the reality of that story. The reality of that story is the Pharisees had been forgiven just as much as she had. They just didn't realize it. So they couldn't love much because they were still walking in darkness. There were still dark areas of their life that they were shunning from God. But she had come clean. And when we as a church come clean, then therefore we've been forgiven much, we can love much. That's why we can have fellowship with one another because we're walking in the light, because the light is revealed. Yes, I need Christ every moment of every day. I love it when people come up to me and go, you know, you're this and this and this and this. Or they accuse me of, of, of sins and they're like trying to get me to be defensive. I don't have to be defensive. I go, you know what? It's probably true. It's true. Well, you're a liar, yes. You're an adulterer. If I look at someone lustfully, I've committed adultery in my heart, yes. Let's go through the 10 commandments. And then James says, if you've broken one of them, you're guilty of them all. Yes, I'm everything that you say I am and worse. Isn't that wonderful? That God can use me, and if he can use me, then he could use anybody. And that's what the church is to be about. That we walk in the light. Why? Because we're not the light source. We're the ones receiving the light. And so therefore, it makes Christ look more glorious when he goes, wow, if he could use him, he could use anybody. If he can use her, he can use anybody. Have you ever followed the gene genealogy of Christ? Moabite woman, loses her husband, living with her mother-in-law, Rahab the harlot. My favorite is the twins, you know, that were born to a father-in-law and a daughter-in-law that lost her husband. Like that's like, you're like, this is the, this is the genealogy of Christ. Christ wasn't ashamed of that. What did they call Jesus? In John, they called him the, like basically they called him a illegitimate child, which is a word for that, but I'm not going to say it. The Pharisees did. They called him that because Mary was a virgin and Joseph and they were betrothed, but they weren't married. And like, what? Jesus didn't defend himself. It was actually the Holy Spirit that, it, it, that, that basically kind of impregnated my mom. Jesus doesn't say that. Why? He's too busy walking in the light. He is the light. He's too busy loving on one another. And I love this because once you see the light part, it's real easy to see the second part in the movement of John here as he's writing. Once you understand the light, then the next part is real easy, that we live in his forgiveness. We have to live in the forgiveness and then we have to forgive others. 
Because remember, once the light comes upon us, it reveals all of our imperfections, and therefore we have to deal with this, this issue of forgiveness. So how do, we, how do we do that? Well, first we have to recognize, first off, are we saved? Are we saved? It's like the pig and the, the sheep. They're walking, they're walking around, and they fall in this huge pit, and it's this huge mud pit. And they were best friends. And the pig's like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. And he plays in the mud and he says, this is where I belong. And the sheep falls into the, the mud next to the pig and it knots him up. And all of a sudden the sheep cries out to the shepherd to get him out of there. Now here's the deal. If you're truly saved and you're the sheep, you can't stay in sin and like it. You got to call out to the shepherd to pull you out. If not, then the Apostle John's basically saying, you're a liar if you say you're part of the sheep, but you're living like a pig. That's what he's saying. Pull me out. That's what the sheep says. And so we have to live in his forgiveness. And so how do we live in his forgiveness? Well, I love it here because he says... If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So therefore, God then cleans us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And it's interesting, it's not his mercy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and merciful to forgive us of our sins. He's faithful and just. The justice of God was appeased on the cross. The wrath of God was poured out on his son so that the wrath of God is no longer poured out on us. He wasn't faithful. He wasn't, it was just, hey, he's confessed our sins. He's faithful and merciful. Now, that would make sense, but he's faithful and just. So, so think about all the Old Testament stories where God has to pay for the, the, the sin has to be paid for. Think of the story of, of Phineas when he comes in and the, the, the Israelite man with this Moabite woman and they decided they're in their tent they're gonna they're gonna have this display of 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 immorality sexual immorality and Phineas comes in and takes the spear and, and puts them through both the the Moabite man I mean the Moabite woman and the man and the blood flows out and the Bible says and the anger of the Lord was appeased that day and we all think yeah we're Phineas Woo! no we're the Israelite we're the Israelite, but instead of God spearing us, he speared his son Christ on the cross. We're the ones that have gone away. The wrath of God was appeased in Christ. And so therefore, then how do we live in his forgiveness? We have to forgive ourselves first. Every sin that you've ever committed, past, present, and future has been paid for on the cross, so forgive yourself. And for you not to forgive yourself is for you not to love yourself. And what does the Bible say? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you can't love yourself by forgiving yourself because God's forgiven you, you're gonna have a hard time loving your neighbor. That's what I love about Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, they asked him about this. He says, well, God forgive me so I guess I'm going to have to forgive myself. Yes, Johnny, you are. 
And he did. God has. And for you not to forgive yourself is to think that you are something special. And let me share something with you. Only God is special because he's the one that's forgiven us of all of our sins. Secondly, how do we, how do we live in his forgiveness? We forgive others. <sighs> like this verse here in Matthew chapter 6, 15, I don't like it. It doesn't mean it's not true. I just don't like it because it says, if I can't forgive others, their trespasses, then God won't forgive me my trespasses. You don't know what they did to me, God. Hey, I know what they did to his son, Jesus Christ. And from the cross, as he's dying, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. People have hurt you and you can't forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And Jesus forgave them. I had the opportunity to go to, to Auschwitz and Birkenau and there's the gas chambers. They killed 1.6 million people there, mostly Jews. And it was all, when you look at the chemistry and the, the mentality of Adolf Hitler and his hate for the Jews, it stems back to some family issues. Some people believe that his dad was, was Jewish or part and was connected somehow to the Jewish faith and he hated his dad. And so therefore, because of that hate and unforgiveness, therefore, six million people were died. So don't think your unforgiveness just affects you. It affects everybody around you destroys lives. I'm standing there and I'm just looking and, and they have one gas chamber left and you're standing in this gas chamber and you look up and you see these holes where they would drop the, the, the poisonous gas in and you read. It's just ominous. And you read how they knew that the gas had worked and was done when they stopped hearing the screams of the men, women, and children that were in there. That's where unforgiveness leads. And first it starts with your soul. And so we have to live in this forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive others. We have to be people of forgiveness that teach forgiveness. We ought to be the most forgiving people ever. Because here's the deal, if they're lost, they don't know what they're doing anyway, right? So here we go. So what? Here's the so what. So what is this? I got a, some beams in the shape of a cross. When you guys came in, you had these, you had a blue or yellow sheet, little sheet attached to your bulletin. One of these things. If you didn't get one, raise your hand, I'll give you one. Okay, man, we ran out. I have to, I, I, there's some in the back. I'll get you some. Hold on, I'll get, you, I'll get, I'll get some here in a second. Bethany in, in the drawer, in front of the baby room 
On the right-hand side, there's a bunch of Post-it notes, whole stack. Here's the deal. This cross, okay, we're going to take it and we're going to stick it in the new building on the side of the building when you drive in, okay? There's going to be a whole bunch of holes in it. We'll probably put some shellacker on it because all those little bees are going to like to put more holes in it. But here's what I want you to do. If we're to be people of forgiveness and live in his forgiveness, then we need to deal with this right now. And so what I want you to do with that little piece of paper is I want you to write down something that a person you can't forgive, a sin that you can't, that you, that you want to be done with, whatever it is. And I want you to come up here and grab a nail. And I want you to nail it to the cross. Then I want you to grab communion. They're going to have two ushers up here on the sides. They're going to have some communion. Okay. And then we'll partake of it together. Okay. But here's the deal. Don't come up here until you're ready to say, God, I'm ready to leave this sin here on the cross. This, this sin, this, this forgiveness. If there's someone that you can't forgive, put it on here. If, there, if you can't forgive yourself for something, put it on here. If there's a sin that you just keep, that you want to confess, put it on here. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? And we're going to partake of communion. And the reason we're going to partake of communion is because I want to feast on Christ. We confessed, right? And now it's time for take the body and the blood and and to, to, to remind ourselves that Christ is in us and that he's the hope of eternal life. He's the hope of glory. And when we look at communion, communion is a time when we look back at what Christ did on the cross, how he died on the cross and three days later rose bodily from the dead. It's a time for us to look inward to say, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Inward, don't taking it in an unworthy manner. So confess whatever sin you have anyway, Right? And then it's a time for us to look forward to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. Okay, so we look backwards, we look inward, we look forward. And we're gonna partake of this together. But here's the deal. If you don't wanna do business with God, stop lying to yourself and those around you. And it's just better for you to stay seated if you're not a believer or you don't wanna do business with God because the Bible says you're eating and drinking judgment on yourself. Okay, you've been warned. Okay, and so I wouldn't be any type of a pastor if I didn't do what, I call, what I'm calling fencing the table. Because that's what the scripture teaches. But, but here's the deal. Don't sit there in unforgiveness. Don't sit there in bitterness. Don't sit there holding on to your sin. Let me tell you something. Christ is far better, tastes far better than anything you, any sin that you want to hold on to experience the, the forgiveness of our God. I'm going to have the worship team come up and they're going to play. We might even do some singing. When you're ready, you take a pen. If you need a pen, I have one. If you need, take a pen, write it down, nail it to the cross. We're going to stick this cross when you drive in right there on the side of the building. It's going to have a whole bunch of holes in it. And you know why? Because Christ left it there. Done! 
to tell us die. It is finished. It's done. Why are we carrying it any longer? Why are we carrying it any longer? We, we need to be people of forgiveness. I want to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth. Thank you, Lord God, that the power of the Holy Spirit does his work using your word, Lord God. And it is not about us, Father. It is all about you. And so, Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would embolden us, that you would empower us, that you would reveal to us any sin in our lives, Lord God, any unforgiveness in our hearts. And Lord God, that we would deal with it and we would be done with it. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.